The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, is sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, a leading Australian corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Focused on your vision, Barclay Pierce specialises in making it a successful reality. Well, hello and welcome to the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison. Now, today we're delving into the fintech sector huge amounts of growth in this space and in fact some estimations put it around four billion dollars in australia now we're talking today to clayton house clayton is the co-founder and ceo of money me asx code mme it's got a market cap at the moment close to 400 million dollars clayton so good to have you with us thanks so much for joining us today Oriel, fabulous to be here with you. Thank you. Now, Clayton, I have to say, I am really, really disappointed that we are not doing this chat on video today because you've just told me you are, of course, in Sydney and you've been battling the lockdowns, but you not only got a haircut for the occasion, you got a haircut from a truck driver on the side of a road. Oh, it's about inclusion. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> now, who would have thought that would have been a, you know, a good idea? I thought it was amazing. I thought entrepreneur, here's an entrepreneur, a like-minded guy on my, you know, on my way to Sydney. Why would, why would that not work? Except oh, I think me, like everyone, every other truck driver, we now look very much similar. was it it a winning strategy on your part Clayton well I'm still debating it Um, the (laughs) fact that I feel like I need to dust my head with some form of flea um, powder (laughs) if that even exists Uh, uh, yeah I'm not quite sure if I've if I've done a good job on this one you know most people would say hey hang on you're a CEO surely you can afford a CEO haircut but it was about the price of time in my mind I thought imagine the value of time here five minutes but hey Lucky, lucky we don't have to do this on video. I spare you guys all the pain of that. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, it turned out to not be the cheapest option, Clayton. You know, if you're wandering around without a $10 bill in your pocket and you have to hand over a 50 I know. I'm not sure that was the right strategy. He, he's a smart guy. He knew there's no point in giving, like, don't offer change. You know, where are you going to go? There's no next door. You're on the highway. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very clever guy. And you are supporting entrepreneurship in Australia. And that's really important. So so let's talk about your background because you're an entrepreneur, obviously. Now, your background, you've got a background going back in sales. You've been in the telco world for a while. Also, leadership. What is it in your career that's brought you to where you are today? I think it's, it's a combination of those things that you mentioned. I was fortunate enough to just follow follow the dream of where I thought I needed to be at the time. And at the time when I first started my career, it was economics. I loved the, the whole modeling of how to think about businesses. Uh, M&A uh, transactions is where I, I learned a whole lot of things. I moved into sales, not because I wanted to, but I was just given a bit of a, an opportunity to go and do something great once you've formulated a, a merchant and acquisition plan. Somebody needs to get the job done, and I managed to do that really well. And uh, But what I ended up learning a whole lot is about how businesses really work. You know, there's no magic ingredient that just says this business is going to work, but a whole combination of things. These combinations were, you know, and this 
combination of having an idea, having a plan to execute this idea, having the grit to, you know, climb the mountain, but also having this economist's perspective that things need to change along the way. You can't predict the future, but you've got to be able to predict that the future is going to be able to change and you've got to be able to predict it early and move with the times. So I think a combination of all those things alike. And then there's this passion for doing something with a whole bunch of people, being able to find the right, the right like-minded, but also different perspectives uh, that can form a really credible uh, business model. And I think, you know, if I look back, uh, I get the opportunity to say a whole lot of that stuff made sense. You know, my time in telcos, my time in M&A and pharmaceuticals, mass market-driven products, sales-driven experiences. I think it just gives me a rounded perspective that, you know, Money Me could have been selling finances or it could have been actually selling, you know, Krispy Kremes. I don't know. But there's a whole lot of relatable skills that you learn over time. And, uh, wow, I feel, I feel lucky that I can identify with a whole lot of Australian entrepreneurs where it's all about grit, determination and a plan. And the opportunities are there. And courage. Don't forget courage. Oh, yes. It's a scary world out there for an entrepreneur. Yeah, it is. You know, you've got to put a whole lot of risk uh, and definitely a whole lot of courage. You know, this, it, it, it's not easy. There's no doubt about it. And it comes with all the sacrifices that you, you know, you otherwise could be familiar with. You know, the simple thing like getting a, a paycheck every month, you know, working in a corporate environment where you've got people that can do stuff with you, for you, career aspirations that are in front of you. Uh, when you're an entrepreneur, it's kind of lonely, especially when you're starting where it's just you and, you know, a small office and a, and a pen and a paper. And that's the starting point. And you've got to learn. Yeah, you've got to learn how to be an, an inventor. Uh, in our world, it's a, you know, a finance expert, a, a marketer, a salesperson, uh, a team leader, a regulator, how to think about regulation. You've got to do it all. What's the hardest thing? Clayton, that you've had to deal with over the last few years? I think it's, I think it's always about, there's, no, there's nothing ever easy. And my favourite part about when I think about where we are now eight years in, I think about the progressive steps and if you've got this entrepreneurial drive, there's never a time where complacency actually exists. And in our in our world, I think complacency is when you think it now is getting easier. It actually gets harder. And interestingly, you know, your your ambitions get bigger and bigger, but you just get more ready for them. So what's hard in the beginning is you're just not trained to be an entrepreneur. You can't go to an entrepreneur school and just say, well, I'm going to learn how to be, be one, and then you just start. It's It's hard because it's the unknown. What gets easier is actually you've just got a track record and belief in yourself and belief in people around you and belief in your plan. And then what gets actually easier is having a, a longer sight, a bigger ambition, because you've got a track record of it. So interestingly enough, things get harder because they get bigger, but somewhat they're a little bit easier because you've done it already. Mm. Mm. Now, Money Me, I mean, uh, your growth has been incredible. You were talking about eight years. Um, you've been working very hard over that period of time. But what your latest numbers have shown is you've just passed a billion dollars in originations. 
You've got had quarterly revenue of 23 million. That's up 92% from the previous corresponding period. I mean, these are fantastic numbers. Congratulations. Thank you. It's huge. And maybe that's actually uh, a really good uh, reflection point, which is the billion dollars of originations. Do you know what was the hardest? Was to go and raise the first $1 million in a business like this. You know, I only had, you know, a salary in my past experience that I could rely upon to start this business. And that can only go really, really so far, like not very far at all. And raising that $1 million was difficult. Then I had to go and raise $3 million because this plan was working and that got even more difficult. And then all of a sudden, raising $50 million and the rest is history. We've now originated past $1 billion. But I remember the first day that I that I, I was working in the office and the first platform that we had created lent somebody 600 bucks, a Commonwealth Bank customer. And that day was the hardest day of this whole business. It's your own money. You don't have much of it and you it's working and you've got to go and raise capital and you've got to encourage people to believe you and join you on this journey. Now, being a listed business, having a million, a billion dollars of originations under our belt, things are getting bigger and bigger for us. So this origination number of 173, which is up 283% on the prior comparable period, you know, it's a $45 million quarter to $173 million quarter. It's a revenue result that shows us that we've got a, we're already on a trajectory, having that 23 for the first quarter, a trajectory of plus $90 million of, of revenue in the year. That, those, are, those are massive numbers. And so super proud of this team. And it's, it's just, I think it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Mm. You know, you've had some really interesting, if you break down your business into its component parts, one of the fastest growing parts of your business is auto pay. Um, how is auto pay being impacted by the challenges that car makers are having at the moment or car buyers? Because I know my mother's in the market for a new car. And we've been all over the place. She can't find the car that she wants because there are so many delays. It's all, of course, about the semiconductor chip, as I've been told, um, and the delays there. But how does this impact your auto pay business and growth there? You know, the size of this market is just unbelievable. We always had our, our eyes set on this industry, which has been very tightly held by uh, the Goliaths Westpac and Macquarie Bank and a few others. It was so tightly held, it was very difficult to penetrate. Then came along our scale benefits, our ability to actually get cash from banks really cheaply and our ability to out, out, outpace the price and competitiveness of our, of our peers and the ability for us to go head-to-head -head on the banks. Then our ability to have technology that's way, way, way past their capability set gives customers an experience that's just unrivaled. So now all of a sudden, we've come into a time where Westpac, Macquarie Bank are exiting the car finance industry to focus on their mortgage and, and their core products. And you've got MoneyMe that's primed with the right pricing, the right technology and experience for, for borrowers like your mom that can are soon to be able to get their finance and a bit like a click and collect solution. So where the deal is not the intermediary selling finance and trying to sell you a car and all these other things. But actually, 
your mum's experience soon will be, I really like this, and it's a click and collect whoever's got it. Now, we've seen Mercedes-Benz, you know, architects, some agency-type models where they're trying to build uh, some integrity in, in, in the car industry where one price for this car is one price, and that works for us. So what I think is happening here is a whole mammoth industry is getting the structural shifting change. Big guys loosening their grip and exiting, young uh, modern versions coming in, uh, customers wanting different experiences. Like your mom, if she went and got a traditional finance product so from a major bank, it would the average time it would take it to be able to drive the car away from that dealer is eight days. Now that's unheard of. Your mom wants the car. She doesn't want to, you know, suffer the pain of time of waiting to get the you know, the, the stock of the car and then wait another eight days just to solve finance for it. With auto pay, once the dealer's got the car on the floor, in 60 minutes flat, your mum will drive that car out of the showroom. It's unrivaled. And that's the type of experience that we've, we've built and is gaining an, an immense amount of traction. We had 10 dealerships when we first started in quarter four. We moved to 40 dealerships that have signed on. Now we've got over 350 dealerships. And this product is going at a pace of just something, un, un, you know, it's just something I've never seen before, which is very exciting. So what, it, what it's doing for dealers is it means more sales. Once they got the car on the floor, it, it leaves the showroom, you know, in 60 minutes, they've got cash in their hand to go and buy from the wholesalers another car. So a lot of the time when you think about your mom's experience going and, you know, trying to wait and get a car, in many cases, it's because the dealer can't turn cars around for cash as fast. So they, they're caught up in this just delayed, um, you know, antiquated process of they need cash to go and buy another car. They got cars that have said sold, but they're still sitting in their showroom, you know, occupying space in their showroom. But it's already sold. It's just eight days later. It's the only thing they can give their dealer more space to buy a new car. With us, cars in, 60 minutes flat, your mom's driven it out. She's got a great price, uh, and away we go. Dealer gets another car and sells more. It's brilliant. How how hard, hard has that scalability been for you, Clayton? I mean, the kind of growth in the amount of time that you're talking about is significant. I mean, has that been difficult? It was very difficult to orchestrate the technology that does this, whether you're a, a, a tradesperson on an ABN, whether you're a regular you know, consumer under the regulated environment, whether you're a corporate and also uh, buying things through family trusts, being able to go and sell for every instance that a customer has in the structure that they want to buy the car, having a price adjusted for risk to compete with Westpac all the way through to a PEPA non-bank type model, be able to traverse across new cars all the way through to say 10 or 15 year old cars and have more borrowers so your 22 year old coming in all the way to your mature borrower that's got a long credit history so to be able to have a single one-stop shop for the dealer and consumer to transact that was difficult but that's how we wanted to we wanted to create the one solution not have a target niche sect, section of this this industry we wanted to be the default for any dealer or consumer, if they think about car finance, it's got to be auto pay. And that was really difficult for us. But we were able to do it because we built Horizon. The genesis of MoneyMe was to build a technology solution that enabled us to go and 
uh, roll out really contemporary products, have risk-adjusted pricing, traverse across the customer spectrum that enables us to really appeal to mass market. So the genesis of MoneyMe, we already had a starting point. We weren't, we're not licensing tech that's not built for all of market solutions. We built Horizon that enabled us to do that. So without Horizon, we would have found it incredible, almost impossible to go and deliver auto pain the way we've delivered it. But because we built that in-house, we were able to do so. And it's just now is the time where we can see the rewarding uh, nature of owning your own technology stack. It's amazing. Mm. Mm. So, so when do you when do you go into mortgages, Clayton? Oh no, I can't answer that on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy! I tell you what, normally you go have to go and you tell people, you know, this is what we're doing. We're launching AutoPay. You convince a few dealers and brokers to try it out. I've never seen or heard of the demand of for mortgages and brokers that have lined up asking for to be on our our first proof of concept, which is incredible. So certainly the demand for mortgages for us has come way beyond. This is the first time that we've been asked. That question you've asked us, industry is asking us. And so I, I, I feel quite compelled to not answer the question, but to say certainly it's, it's, it's got to be on our radar. So where, where else is, uh, you know, what's been the most exciting part of the business so, aside from AutoPay? Because I know that that's been quite a journey for you. Um, but over the last sort of six months, in terms of innovation, in terms of new technology, because you, of course, you're in personal loans, you have Freestyle, Live Ready, uh, Money Me Plus. What, what, what has been the most important, uh, exciting part of the journey for you over the last few months? It was a risk to think about, can all of these products make sense to a single borrower? So when we own the customer experience, when they think about, if I want a credit card, I've got a modern version freestyle. If I want a personal loan, I've got personal loans. If I want to buy a car, I've got a car. If I'm thinking about a property, um, I've got an avenue. We wanted to deliver a a very single customer-focused uh, proposition which they could traverse across any product they like really efficiently. You know, if you have a mortgage with a bank and then you talk about car finance, it's like you're introducing yourself again. You know, you get the one eight hundred. You know, go somewhere else number if if it's different division. We wanted to solve for when you think about money me, any of those particular products in your natural credit life cycle, we're going to be there for you. And we've nailed it. More than 30% of our borrowers have had at least two products with us already. And so my favorite is the combination of products. It increases, of course, the metrics for shareholders. It gives more addressable market, high value returns, diversified revenue stream, all that stuff. But I'm less interested in those outcomes. I'm more interested in owning this consumer's credit uh, life cycle, their journey with us starts really early on a smaller personal loan or credit card and continues over time. So that product that we also had that you mentioned, ListReady, now there's a lot more than what meets the eye with ListReady. It's a product that delivers um, finance solutions for somebody that's selling a house and typically people sell a house uh, and then they go and buy a new house and of course they've got a mortgage that uh, they'll be thinking about. We like to capture the attention of borrowers really early in the cycle. So ListReady has got a very strong strategic strategic play for us. We've got economic advantages because it's a homeowner, they're selling a property, we've got their attention and we're winning in that market. So I think what I 
to answer your question, I love the fact and most proud of the, 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 the part that we've cracked, which is creating a single customer perspective on their, that, that allows them to traverse across their life cycle of choices. Uh, our average borrower age is 31-year-olds. You know, we're at that spectrum where we appeal to them on credit cards, personal loans, um, you know, funky stuff, mortgages, uh, et cetera, uh, part of our, you know, our whole ecosystem that we look at. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's been such an interesting journey for you and, and obviously you're incredibly passionate about this business. Um, so let me ask you, you know, last time we spoke, Clayton, we touched on the fact that you'd had takeover bids previously. That was before these kind of numbers. That was before you'd hit the one billion in originations and and you'd move forward like you have now. Have you received any other takeover bids since we last spoke? I can't speak publicly about uh, too many things. That one we needed to disclose, um, and given the nature of it, we had to take it quite seriously. It was a bit that came at a seriously lofty price to where our share price is, and so we had to go through the the process and discovery and give board members and you know everyone the opportunity to really have a a, a proper consideration of this. But where it was for us that it came down to is we've got a whole lot of tailwinds in our business. You know, customer experiences, new products, new addressable market. Uh, we've got efficiency in our automation, you know, and, and you can pick any of our products and at any given time, you know, they could be your favorite, you know. And when we thought about what's in front of us in Australia and, and internationally, it was, we thought that shareholders, uh, along the money me journey without the distraction of being absorbed by a big Goliath is actually the best thing for them. We think that it's, of course, we could, you know, uh, we are worth a lot more than our share price now, but what we become, you know, and that what we become already that we've seen in just one year uh, ago is quite remarkable. The difference is remarkable. Now, what we look like two years is incredibly exciting. So we do get from time to time, uh, businesses that are absolutely interested in 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 owning MoneyMe, in having its technology, licensing it, uh, getting access to its customers, a whole raft of things. But our focus is on long-term shareholder value. And the way we do that is we continue on the path that we are, which is bigger addressable markets, more reasons for customers to engage with us, longer duration credit products, bigger revenue results, and then I think what we look like in two years' time, well, well they're certainly not going away. The, I don't think the, the, these big majors are, you know, uh, losing sight of what we, 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 we're about to create. But I just think we're just too early to sell out, to be honest, Oriel. Do, do you think over the next 12 months that the company is going to look vastly different to what it does do today? Oh, yes. Like, it's more of the same, which is innovation that's creating massive opportunities for both customer experiences and shareholder returns. Like, absolutely. Uh, you know, a growth company that makes money, you know, is very different. You know, it's a, a growth company that makes money because of efficiencies and automation and scale. That's, that's exciting. Uh, what we look like, we're probably not just an Australian business. You know, the international markets that we've been exploring, now that we've got a clear line of sight of what we want to create internationally and 
you know, a clear air to do so. You know, we're, we're much bigger business in two years' time. So very different. Mm, very much looking forward to following that, um, Clayton. I- I'm so looking forward to it and um, <laughs> looking forward to watching that mortgage product, whatever that might look like. <laughs> I, will, I will say this. Whatever we've done, we launched the first virtual credit card in Australia that enabled somebody in, they, we say five minutes, but the average, you know, if you know the information uh, and you're pretty good on your phone, it's three minutes and you've got the, you know, a very clever virtual card in your account on your iOS and Android app. Then we launched Auto, the first time you can buy a car. And there's experiences that it's 15 minutes from the time that they sign up to the test driving and driving the car to the showroom. It's been 15 to 25 minutes uh, for customers. So imagine what we're going to do if we had to tackle something like launches. It's never... Oh, can't wait. Yeah. Can't yeah. wait. <laughs> I have no doubt, Clayton. And, and the thing is, is that we get to talk about it in a few months' time we when do. we catch up again. We do. Um, in the next quarter. So I am re- really love chatting to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, are you kidding? Thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to the next quarter for sure. Absolutely. And, of course, a big thank you to our supporters, our listeners. As well today, you are listening to the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison. Thank you so much for joining us. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, was sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, Australia's leading corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Barclay Pierce Capital provides specialised corporate advisory and equities trading services to privately owned businesses, small to medium-sized public and ASX-listed companies.